0: Welcome to the Youth Development Professionals Guidebook. I'm your host, Michael Garcia. And I'm your co-host, Al Ferreira. Thanks for joining us. Let's get started. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We are excited to have Mark Young from JCC Association of North America. Very good friend of mine I've made over the past few months, a digital friend, hopefully one day a face-to-face friend. Mark, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing really well. Very excited to be with you guys today.
0: So why don't you tell us a little bit about JCC of North America and J response and what we're talking about today.
1: Yeah. So the um, JCC Association of North America is the continental body that serves 164 plus agencies that call themselves Jewish community centers or Jewish community camps, independent overnight camps. Um, Or if you know of a young men's or young women's Hebrew association, YMHA, YWHA, they're all part of the broader JCC movement. JCCs are the, the center of not only the Jewish community, but many communities, just general communities over the over any one of our you know, big cities and small cities in Canada and the United States. We serve 1.5 million people. They come through our doors um, vis- uh, physically or virtually every week. A million of those typically tend to be folks that identify as Jewish and a half a million um, typically identify as people of other faiths or no faith. So while we are based and we have extremely important connection and closeness to the Jewish community, we really assert everybody and everything. We've been around for over a hundred years. We used to be called the Jewish Welfare Board, and it was changed to JCC Association in 1990. And we do an assortment of programs and services um, that support JCCs from working with teens. Our big program in the summer is JCC Maccabi, which is like our Jewish Teen Olympics, Uh, arts and culture, working with Jewish military chaplains, um, can go on and on. But really what we do is we try to bring this movement together to making sure that we can do something as a whole, more so than any one individual JCC can do on their own, which I think is a nice segue to J-Response. I started, I've been connected to the JCC movement for many decades but I started as the director of J-Response at JCC Association last July, July 2019. And it's at, even at that point it was still a very new program. The idea that JCC Association and JCC movement can aptly and um, organize and mobilize in response to crisis. Certainly JCCs and JCC Association have responded to crisis long before 2017 thinking about Hurricane Katrina and other examples. Um, But there wasn't necessarily an apparatus, an organization within JCC Association and the movement to consider how we maximize our most valuable asset. And our most most valuable asset is our people. We have 6,000 full-time JCC professionals um, or all of our agencies, and up to thirty two thousand part time, including many that work seasonally in our summer camps and aquatics, and many you know, of the things that I know that you work on, Michael at your JCC in Greater Buffalo. Um, how can we maximize these folks that have great skills and that have tremendous empathy and care to come to a place that is suffering, whether it 's a Houston after hurricane harvey, whether it 's Pittsburgh, after the Tree of Life shooting, whether it's Dallas as recently as last fall with their tornado. Um, And certainly, J response couldn't be more relevant now during this time of the coronavirus.
0: I will be as transparent as possible because that's how I roll. I work for a J, JCC up here in Greater Buffalo, and I am honored to be part of the J response team. I think, you know, this was something as I've had years and years and years of being an EMT and and responding to emergencies through other agencies. I think when I heard that Mark was doing this, it just felt like home to me. It felt like something that I needed to be a part of, and I was probably a little Beggy in the front end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm so happy you're part of our group. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I really, I think the, the group of 30 of us, I'm going to say, correct me on the number, but 30 of us that across that are working kind of behind the scenes to make this happen. And, and with the uh, JCCA association, has really been, really been something I've actually grabbed onto during this time of crisis as something to give me some, some mental health in support of being able to help other people, because that's how I feel. So Mark, tell us a little bit about what your plans were, and then COVID and how that changed and adapt and and what you did. And again, we're recording this probably a week or so, maybe two weeks before it's going to be released. So everybody Mm -hmm. needs to understand of all of our podcasts, things may change tomorrow. Right. Yes. So but, well, so you're only speaking. An hour. As, yeah. So we're only speaking as of today. So go right. ahead,
1: Mark. Absolutely. So you know, when I was hired last summer, J Response already had a history. We had done a pilot training in Memphis. We had already responded after the Tree of Life shooting in Pittsburgh. We were starting to get our identity together. Um, and uh, Jerome Krakow, our president and CEO, and our recently hired and wonderful supervisor, Sue Gelsey. Hi Sue, our chief program officer. Um, You know, they decided with a lot of other wonderful people and senior leadership in the board that J-Response really needed to be a department and needed to have a director and not just be, you know, another project that other people have. And I was honored to be that first director and as a result was asked to do a two-year vision. What should J-Response look like in summer 2021? Um, So we established our why, which hasn't changed. And I think it's important that when you go through periods of crisis, you look at Well, what needs to adapt and what is still at your core and remains at your core, regardless of whether it's, you know, pre a crisis or now into a crisis or post a crisis. So our why is very simple. We want to build bridges. We want to elevate talent and we want to sustain communities. We want to build bridges amongst JCCs, between JCCs and other partners in a community or continentally uh, and between different people. And I think that's really one of the beauties of J-Response too, is that if we can build bridges and connections, we do so much good on its own. The second thing is elevate talent. This is a great way to get our wonderful professionals and to elevate them, whether they're a day camp director or an aquatics director or an HR director, it doesn't matter what their function is. If they care and have a skill set and also have tremendous empathy and wanna be a a caring presence for others, we'll sign them up to be a J-Responder. And that elevates them, it makes them stronger, and a better professional. And then sustain communities. We developed four Rs of J-response. Readiness, relief, recovery, and resilience. Those four Rs guide us in everything that we do in uh, building our curriculum, in determining how we serve. And when I say respond, it's different from react, right? We can respond to a crisis before one occurs by working on readiness. Um, So that allows us, by implementing those four R's and having people to do that work, i.e. the JUCC professionals, the J-responders, we can then um, sustain communities. So our why hasn't changed and our how, our four R's haven't changed. What has changed is the what. Back in September, and it's it's wonderful to be having this conversation now because I just wrote a similar email like this to, <laughs> to, to, to our CEO and to Sue and to some other leadership, I presented to them in September of 2019 a two-year vision that included Training two J responders, two JCC professionals at, every, at almost every JCC by summer 2021. Um, to have two people at every JCC in Buffalo and the many in New York and LA and Omaha, Nebraska. So, if something were to happen at that place, there would already be people trained to implement some of these four Rs and they can also be our liaison. From you know the continental office of how we can then best support, in addition to the exec, which is obviously who are obviously overwhelmed in, in in a good way. They have so much on their plate in general, and then especially more so in a crisis. And the vision, and I still very much believe in the in-person immersive experience, is that we will bring people thirty at a time to a different site, a different JCC, and have a four-day meaningful training on the four R's, bring in our partners with Israel Aid. IsraAid is our signature partner in this effort. Um, bring in other partners, bring in, you know, skill sets within JCC Association, bring in great JCC professionals who can teach. Michael, you've taught for our group and you've been great at that. And to, but to bring them together, because it's important to build those relationships. We were gonna have one in Houston a month ago. Uh, we were gonna have one, and meet hopefully in the future, in places that have experienced crisis, so we can use that as a case study. So literally early March, we were still planning on having four days in Houston. And for those that can remember listening to this podcast, the first two weeks of March were very dynamic. I mean, this whole two months have been very dynamic. But the first two weeks of March, that first week, we were really preparing JCCs to understand what it meant to, you know, have the right um, hand-washing posters and to, you know, practice, you know, moderate social distancing but keep things open. That radically changed. March 9th, March 10th, March 11th. So March 9th and March 10th, I was still planning to have four days in Houston with these 30 wonderful people representing 27 JCCs and like this updated inaugural training. That had to change. Um, And while it was hard for us to cancel on March 10th for what was supposed to start on March 23rd, by March 12th and March 13th, with the NBA canceling and us not traveling to Europe, I I mean, a week later we were all home. It was just so amazingly quick how this all happened. So, what did we do? We took it online and we took a, I think it's important to delineate, we both took it to a virtual experience and B, we had to prioritize what's the most important skills that both we can implement and that we should implement at this time. Should we talk about readiness in advance of a tornado? Probably not. Should we talk about long-term recovery? maybe, but not right now. What we really need to focus on and what, again, these are anticipations, this is best guess because even on March 15th, we didn't know what life would look like on March 23rd. We say we really wanna focus on building people's resilience and for these J-responders to be able to be a first aider, a mental health or a psychological first aider to folks that are around them, whether it's their JCC peers that are either struggling financially or health wise, or people in their community. And that was our grand pivot. And we had, you know, Michael, as a part of this group of 30, this great six-hour experience. I'll add one more thing. We then just said, we need to get this to as many JCCs as possible. It's great to do it in a cohort, and I believe in cohort learning. Um, But just like we went from personal to virtual, we said we need to make this a, a crash course just so people can get introduced. Um, so we developed uh, a 90-minute course. We took those six hours, and we basically did 45 minutes on resilience and 45 minutes on mental health first aid, and then people can follow up and have, you know, further conversations. We did three of those in early April that brought on 120 new professionals as J responders, so as of this moment, we have somewhere between 175 and 200 JC professionals that have had some kind of meaningful training, um, that represents approximately about a third to a half of our JCC field. In, in some respects, we got to our summer 2021 goals a year plus early. Was it in the way that we planned to do it? No. Um, did they get everything that we were expecting these 30s and these different groups to get? No. But is it something that's meaningful and relevant and applicable now that helps us meet our why? Yes. And, and so far, I'm, I'm really quote-unquote, excited, given the situation that we're in, to be able to be moving this progress and Mm -hmm. continuing to be uh, open to pivoting and iterating and experimenting along the way. Mark, that was an
2: incredible amount of information uh, about all the different aspects of what your organization is doing. I feel like I'm drinking water out of a fire hose trying to catch uh, the different pieces of that. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, uh, You know, one of the things I believe is that uh, uh, opportunities are never lost. Uh, somebody has found that. And in everything you just described, it seems like you ha- you, you, and your organization have latched on to so many different opportunities uh, to help people find
1: and learn more and more and more about resiliency. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say yes. Um, we, I, I think we are realizing um, as an association broadly, and as Jay responds specifically, that if we can be as much of a, a presence, we, there's a lot of stuff that we can do um, and we are doing a lot of it. And I credit um, so many people uh, on, on the team that I work for, who work for me, we're peers, they're, it's just tremendous. I'm, I think I'm the happiest I've ever been professionally because I'm working with these wonderful, amazing people, both at JCC Association and in the field overall. I think we're being a tremendous presence and I think we're trying to hear and get feedback on what people need right now and I think it was um, in, in anticipation and in a guess and I think we're getting proper feedback that allows us to understand that if we can provide those basic resiliency things resiliency tools and in a ways and in ways that are authentic and that's important so you know one example we're creating these one minute daily resilience uh, videos that we've been sharing with the field Um, They currently just star me. I'm happy to have other people star in them, but I got to get the ball rolling. And the first one is just breathe. So that's not just only a good resilience building technique, but I think we're trying to share that authentically. I don't want people who are dealing with tremendous stress and anxiety and uncertain right now just to be told, oh, just breathe deeply and you'll be fine. On the other hand, just having that time to really give yourself a calming moment Get oxygen to your brain and throughout, and bloodstream flowing throughout your body is so important. It allows us to calm ourselves down, and it's a tremendous benefit. So, we want to make sure that we can provide those simple things that people can have control over. Um, to make this time a little bit easier. Um, and I think that, that's just, you know, one of the ways that J-Response is doing it, but that's just one ingredient in so many things that are happening at JCC Association to support the field. And really the field is supporting each other. As much as we, what we can do for the field, you have JCC execs emailing each other, sharing best practices, um, and not just execs, all across the organizational chart, and we can just be a convener and facilitator of that.
2: Simple and brilliant is is what uh, I would describe that as uh, before this whole entire global cultural crisis, uh, it seems that um, uh, not, it doesn't just seem I've read over and over uh, about our our young people and their lack of uh, ability to create resiliency for themselves. and what you're suggesting is you're really training them to how to control monitor themselves within. I mean, just a simple, something as simple as a breathing exercise. Again, resiliency, resiliency, resiliency. I said it three times, it must be important. Um, uh, Can you talk a little bit about things that you're learning that were unexpected
1: as a result of what you're teaching? It's a really great question. So let me just give you a little bit of background on me to help answer that question. Absolutely. And I'll start by identifying what I'm not. I'm not a mental health professional. I'm not a licensed mental health professional. Um, and I say that um, because I think it's important that people can do mental health and supportive and resiliency building work within a limit even if you're not licensed. And that's actually a huge part of J-Response as well, of how we can get people to the professional help if they need it, and we're just that first person. Just like you're learning first aid, you don't have to be a doctor to put on a bandaid. Um, so I'm not a licensed mental health professional. Um, I'm not a, you know, a therapist, I'm certainly not an epidemiologist or any of those things. I come to it through the lens of education uh, and leadership development and community building, uh, and even you know, a bit of human resources management too. And I think one thing that stands out that I'm learning is that the things that we naturally know to do for ourselves um, that make us feel stronger and more resilient and then actually help individuals and organizations operate better are that much more important when crises occur and are actually harder to do and harder to remember ourselves to do when crises come to be. Right. So we know that if we breathe and we stretch and we move our bodies and we eat well and we do things in moderation, that's good for us. We know that if we are, are careful and thoughtful and kind in our management of our employees and take care of our staff and, you know, be mindful when we are operating in our organizations, that is also good for us. When crises come about, those are the first things that often go. Not necessarily intentionally, but we're working 24-7. We're trying to f- figure out every problem. We're trying to, you know, you know, be planful, but also, you know, operate in the moment. Some of those tried and true things that actually help us, we need so much more and we forget to do. So maybe one of the things that uh, J-Response and similar organizations and programs that are doing this type of work, one of our main role is pause. Remember all those things that are really good for you? you gotta make time for them now too. And that's, you know I think important, you know that I've learned as an educator too, we always think about um, the program, but what we really have to think about is the goal. And if, if at the end of the day, we want to have a strong staff, we wanna have strong individuals, we wanna be resilient, we wanna be put in a position where we're able to recover, then we need to do the things that actually help us achieve our goal, not just what feels right in the moment. Um, so that's something that I've learned and has been reinforced during this time. Um, and I think it's actually one of the reasons why I love this job so much is because I'm learning such a tremendous amount. I couldn't have guessed in a million years that this was the crisis I was going to have to help respond to when I accepted this job a year ago. Um, and at the same time, I'm so thankful that I get to be in a job that has tremendous purpose, right? I'm, you know, I'm not in a hospital right now you know, you know, a, a, as, as a healthcare worker. Those guys are the real heroes. Um, I can, but I can be in a job that serves purpose and that's something that I'm learning too.
0: That's great, Mark, thank you so much. We're gonna uh, take a quick break right now and we'll be right back. If you're interested in having your voice heard on this podcast, go to youthdevelopmentpro.com
2: and send us an email. There's three things that you can do to support our podcast. Number one, just keep listening. Number two, share with your network and contacts and colleagues. And number three, leave us a positive rating or like or reference, whatever you do.
0: Welcome back. We're here with Mark Young and we are talking about J-Response. Mark, can you talk to us a little bit about continuing crisis and how the responders are responding to this you know it's not a go for a two-week response and then of course the crisis continues for that local organization or community and the, the responders go home it's now as a j responder we're continuing this through 30 40 who knows 60 90 days yeah. How do you see that, that unfolding over the next 30, 60,
1: 90 days? Well, I think my true honest answer is that we're not entirely sure because we don't know what we're going to be continuing to respond to. Especially as of this moment, there are JCCs that are you know, thinking about reopening because their states are reopening and you have other states that don't plan to for weeks on end that creates a whole nother layer of these crises. You work in summer camp, we're currently deciding what's, the, what's gonna be summer camp. What's that, what's summer gonna look like? So we can plan, but then I think we have to understand um, what the crisis is so we can best respond to it. But I think I can best answer your question by reflecting back on previous crises uh, and even, reflecting back on some Jewish tradition as well, which I think is apl- applicable to anyone who's listening. So if we didn't uh, have an official J response to Hurricane Harvey in Houston, um, because that's where J response, the idea was born, when our CEO uh, and president, Jerome Krakow, was speaking with Joel Dinkin, uh, the CEO of the Evelyn Rubenstein JCC in Houston, months after Hurricane Harvey, and said, you know, what could you have needed from us? And that's where he said, I needed aquatics directors, I needed early childhood directors, and the idea of our people being our best asset was born. But I had the opportunity to visit Houston um, more recently in last September, and while the physical response was no longer needed, maybe in that first 30, 60, 90, 120 days, he needed people to be at the distribution center. He needed people to replace, you know, his aquatics and his development directors for a month because they had to deal with flooded houses. That's the immediate response. What, what's in the long term? in addition to any physical long-term recovery, is that emotional recovery. Um, You know, I I wanna say this with great sensitivity because I'm not a Houstonian, uh, but I imagine folks can empathize and relate to this. When it rains in Houston, people experience post-trauma. When it rains, even if it's not gonna flood, if it's been that serious, and I was reminded that Hurricane Harvey was just one of many floods, maybe the worst, but one of many floods they've experienced in recent years, both before and after 2017. Since the tornado in Dallas, when it's windy, people have post-trauma. And we talked earlier about the Tree of Life shooting in Pittsburgh. We came to be an emotional presence in the weeks after October 27, 2018. But there's something in Jewish tradition that when a person dies, there's periods of grief. There's that weak period, that intense period called a shiva. There's a month period called called sholoshi, where you're supposed to say specific prayers every day and supposed to act kind of differently in that month post a trauma or post a death. And then there's the year. Um, And I know this personally, having lost a parent several years ago, um, where you're supposed to say a certain prayer and, and kind of refrain from certain activities for an entire year, and then start to say, okay, now I'm going to resume our life. And one of the most humbling and experiences I got to facilitate within the first few months of me being J response director was to organize about 20 J responders to go to Pittsburgh on October 27, 2019, that weekend, come to the JCC, help do some of that work so the JCC professionals didn't have to work that day because they're part of the community too. We were, they were doing special activities, we were welcoming people in, we were helping with security, we were facilitating a couple of programs, getting whatever they needed because even after a year, that emotional scar needs healing or it needs presence. So based on what we've learned from our previous work, the physical dynamics of this is going to change. And that's why I think we have to continue to focus on and then respond to as we learn. But the emotional trauma uh, is going to last a long while. And I think we need to be a constant presence and maybe mark the times. It's been a month. It's been a year. It's been two years and have those constant recurrences because people want that community, real or virtual, they want that real community during those sensitive times.
2: Mark, I saw in your bio you have uh, a pretty uh, extensive human resource background um, I, and and let me jump back historically for a moment uh, so you know uh, it was nineteen seventy uh, when the Wedsworth Townsend Act established uh paramedics you know in for for our communities so you know, and then it took almost another 50 years for mental health first aid to start to emerge uh, as something that we provide for for people. In thinking about this crisis uh, and, and the, the, what you were describing, that PTSD, uh, how can we best value our, our workforce? What can we provide for them in, in not 50 years from now, but, you know, 50 days from now that will help them? through what you just described, that, that, uh, that grieving period, how would we better equip people? What kind of training is out there?
1: Well, that is a great question and you're touching on so many things that I deeply care about. Part of the reason I took this job at J-Response is because I care deeply about how we can, and this is terminology that I've been using, how we can best bless our workforce. Uh, and this is something that I've been talking about, speeding, speaking about, writing about for years based on previous work in HR and then more recent work in leadership development and building community. Um, Everyone has a role to play in supporting our peers. And it's clear that compensation is important, security is important, um, and I don't wanna minimize those because I don't minimize those. Um, And what makes a successful employee and what makes successful an organization is talent feeling like they matter And feeling like they're managed well and feeling like they have strong uh, content to work on and strong relationships to um, be supportive of and both peer and supervisory and you know supervisee as appropriate those need to be focused on during this time that's really important and I think every manager any person that is in charge any leader and even every peer, because you can manage and you can certainly lead from any position in an organization. I think leadership is a verb. Um, I've learned that leadership is a verb and not, not just a, not a title or a position. Um, that we have an obligation to care for each other. And that I think anybody who's in any work position that learns a little bit about mental health first, first aid, that Michael has taught our group about algae um, and the work of the National Mental Health Council or the work of Israel Aid and learning basic psychological first aid, even just the do's and don'ts of what we should say and not should say to people if they're dealing through a trauma. And we're going through a collective trauma right now. I mean, it's, it, COVID-19 is affecting all of us in some way and it's affecting each of us differently individually. So we can have empathy, but we don't know how each other feel. And I think that's important for everyone to know. Um, and I think we can be a presence and we don't have to have the answers. I think just being a presence is enough and encouraging people to seek more help if they need. Those type of training, those type of basic learning, just like everybody, not just people that work in an aquatics or in a fitness environment or a camp environment, just like everybody's getting CPR and you know physical first aid, um, everyone should get a mental health first aid or a psychological first aid training. For JC professionals, we're offering that. The National Mental Health Council, where I learned initially, is doing wonderful work. Israel Aid is doing wonderful work. And I'm probably not saying many other organizations that are doing wonderful work too. Those are just are amongst our, our partners. Um, that will help us not only deal with this crisis, but deal with the daily crises that people deal with. Let's take ourselves back before March and February of this year. We're talking about like the big crises that J-Response responds to. But the beauty of J-Response in this work is that we can have better skills just be better professionals that when that that parent walks in and their crisis is happening in their family whatever it may be we can respond you know um, if there was something that happened you know within a family or within a community or with a child I mean we can all think of I don't have to provide examples we can all think of things that are a crisis for us even if it's a crisis for nobody else these skills of of uh, providing initial relief giving people skills of resilience, helping them think about to get to a place, as Israel Aid talks a lot about, post-traumatic growth, that wherever we're going to end up, maybe this is a good way to end my answer to your question, wherever we're going to end up is not going to be the place that we're going to return to. Not just that we might have to act differently, but we're going to feel differently. So how do we have a new appreciation of life and new possibilities and a new start in a post-traumatic growth way? as opposed to a post-traumatic stress and disorder way. We wanna mitigate that. And we wanna get people to post-traumatic growth. So I think that works in an individual sense and I think it works in an employee organizational sense as well.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I agree 100% with that, Mark. Um, so now we're gonna kind of shift gears a little bit and let's talk about Mark. Because a part of this, this whole process is getting to know people as well and telling stories. So Mark, what are you doing differently now that during this time that you have not done before
1: i'm spending a lot more time with my kids (laughs) i have a seven-year-old girl and a four-year-old boy who i love more than anything and a wonderful wife of 11 years almost who i love more than anything we're spending a lot more time together um and i'm realizing and i don't think i've quite articulated it this yet like when mara and i got together we learned not only how to be you know partners but we learned how to be roommates and, you know, we had come to a place where my kids are old enough where they have their own independent experiences now. They're going to school, they're going to camp, they're going to classes, and I see them at nights and in the mornings and on the weekends. Now I'm seeing them all the time. Um, so I have to be much more patient. I consider myself a patient person, but I have to be much more patient and much more kind, not only to them. I always try to be kind to them, obviously, but I try have to be kinder to myself. And I think we all need to be kinder to ourselves. So I'm trying to be kinder to myself. I'm trying to practice what I'm preaching. Um, I'm trying to do the resilience building strategies, I'm, you know, taking videos of, or writing emails about, and, and, and training on. Um, and I'm trying, and this is kind of a mix of the two, I'm trying to do these things, but not trying to do them too hard. I think it's taking a lot of our mental and physical energy just to get through these times, and it depletes our energy. So I go for runs. Um, I'm finding, at least in the first few weeks of this, that I was just running slower, (laughs) and I was tired, even if I was getting more sleep. And I was upset at myself for that. And I didn't stop running, but I was like, you know what? It's okay. Just just take it slow. Take it easy. You're getting out there. But don't expect to have the same um, stamina that you would have when I was commuting on the subway and had my routine down pat. So that's some of the things I'm, I think a lot of that is maybe self-talk. You know, having my mantras that allow me to do things a little bit differently and really celebrate the wonderful moments I've had with my family. As a result, we're going on hikes. I'm more intimate into their learning, but whether at a preschool or at an elementary school level, um, there there's an end of. Uh, shabbat short ceremony called havdalah in the jewish religion and my wife who's a rabbi and i get our two kids on facebook live and we do like a weekly like havdalah 10 minute thing for the congregation that's super fun and that's a super family building thing as well so i'm trying to do those things differently i'm also trying not to watch the news so much which is hard because in my job i feel like i need to watch the news um, but it is, it's is—it's just hard to watch it 24-7. So I'm trying, to, I'm trying to budget that time to watch and to not watch, which is incredibly hard considering how accessible it is on our mobile devices. Um, I hope that begins to answer your question, Michael.
0: It does, and I think, I love how you said it begins to answer because it's an ongoing story that we're going to be telling. So looking at that ongoing story, this is my segue, um, <laughs> six months from now, not that it's going to be quote-unquote over, but like six months from now, what would you think you're going to tell Mark Young six, six months ago and say, this is, you know, look, reflecting back, this is what it, I, I would give you this little piece of advice.
1: Well, not knowing what November will look like or whatever, October, November, the fall will look like, um, but assuming we're in a quote unquote better place than we are now or a more stable place, I would tell myself, you got through it, <laughs> or you got through this part of it. It's going to be okay. Um, and you didn't know everything that was going to happen, so if you made some decisions that you would have made differently, knowing what I know six months down the road, don't beat yourself up about it. Um, there's so much that has happened in the last six weeks, seven weeks in our society, let alone more close knit to me, that um, that I couldn't have expected. So I can't judge myself on March first. So I can't judge where I am at this moment um, based on what I will not know. But we'll know six months from now um, I think that's where I'm at with that question
0: <laughs> yeah that's uh it's it's hard it's a it's been one of the harder questions we ask in this podcast because who knows like we were saying you know we could get off the recording session and go watch the news in an hour and it's a different story we're telling so right uh, you know Mark I really want to thank you for spending this time with us we I really enjoyed having you on I, I really enjoy our every other week chats that we have as a group and And, uh, you know, really appreciate all the hard work you are putting in to help support JCCs across North America. So thank you very much.
1: Thank you. And I just want to say to your audience, those that work in youth or camping or related environments, that as an educator, as someone working in crisis response, and as a um, parent, I think the work that uh, y'all are doing is so important and so holy, if I can say that. Um, and so I would just, you know, hopefully, you know, not kind of sending it all, like give yourselves a pat on the back and thank you. Thank you so much. We just try to want to, we want to make your work better. And thank you for allowing me to share a little bit about our JCC and J response work, Michael and Al, you guys are terrific.
0: Thanks. So Mark, tell us, uh, we'll have, of course, the link to, uh, your website and the email, but tell us how can people get a hold of you? Is there any information you want to share on that aspect?
1: You know, m.young at jcca.org is the best place to go. Um Uh, Would happily engage in conversation and uh, tell you more, learn more from you. Um, Of course, you can go to our, you know, the JCC Association website, jcca.org and there's a J Response page there as well. Um, And then, if folks are interested in learning about trainings, uh, whether you're within the JCC world or generally, please let me know. We'll connect you uh, either to what we have or to many of our partners that are doing this important work. I mentioned Israel Aid, National Mental Health Council, and many others. So, uh, don't be bashful. I'm here.
0: Great. Thanks so much, Mark. We'll be right back after this commercial. Thanks to our friends at expert online trading for supporting the youth development professional guidebook podcast. Al, you used expert online training at your summer camp.
2: I did actually. I used them for several seasons at the last camp that I was the executive director. When we were trying to decide the items that we would present during our staff orientation week, there were so many things that we left out and when expert online training came along, it was like, oh, we can do this ahead of camp. And then people come in and they're already prepared. We even added on to our, our support staff, our directing team components so that we'd all be on the same page prior to doing our support staff training as well. It just really made a huge difference. And expert online training has some great folks who present, uh, the kind of people that you'd want to see at conferences or that you do make time to see at the different conferences throughout the year.
0: So if you're interested in looking for the highest quality online training for your youth programs, go to expertonlinetraining.com and check them out. Thanks again for all their support. Welcome back. Uh, That was just a great, great conversation. I love talking to Mark. Al, tell me
2: what you learned today. There were so many nuggets in everything that he talked about. Um, uh, he he used one of my quotes that I love to use, that leadership is a verb. Uh, he talked about uh, we can only have empathy, but don't uh, always know uh, how uh, each of us feels. Talk about post-traumatic growth, so many different things. Really, what was emphasized over and over about uh, Uh, Who he is at his core is is someone who, you know, really connects uh, with other human beings and and values other people. I go back to John's 21 Laws of Leadership and uh, the the law of connection people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, and he comes off as a genuinely caring, kind human being who leads his team and leads the people uh, that he influences. What an amazing uh conversation
0: you know i was I was writing notes and and i've been working with Mark since our first phone conversation back in November and I I think my, not so much takeaway, but just reassurance that his caring for the people he works with and around is something that we all need to strive for. He is empathetic, he is understanding, he is very careful to make sure that as the person you're having a conversation with him f- is fed with with time and patience. And I really, 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 three reallys, so you know I mean it, <laughs> that uh, really enjoy every time I get a chance to talk with Mark, and I really appreciate all his hard work with Jay Response.
2: That's a wrap with this episode. If you are enjoying our podcast, please make sure to subscribe to wherever you are listening and leave us a positive review and share it out with those that uh, you think would value these talks as well. Thank you and have a great day.